Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, presents the Cavalcade of America. Tonight's star, Dennis O'Keefe. Tonight's play, The Saga of Jerry O'Brien. The story of the first American victory at sea. Jerry O'Brien's my name, uh, Jeremiah O'Brien, one of the early American O'Briens, a famous clan down east in Maine. As everyone knows, the O'Briens were kings in Ireland long before London town could boast a tower. As to how we came to the province of Maine, well, tyranny and famine sorted that long, long ago. But this is the story of the O'Brien's finest hour, and it begins and ends, as all good stories should, with a pretty girl. The time, an evening in the early spring of 1775. The girl, well, <laughs> I'll let her speak for herself. She would, indeed. The answer, Jerry O'Brien, is still no. I- I'll not be your wife. I'd not be your wife if your father owned all the sawmills between Boston and Quebec. Oh, that would do no harm to ask again. How many times have I asked you now? Do you think I keep count? No, oh, I do indeed. If only to boast of it to those blue-nosed Yankee clones that hem you around. Oh, I've told the story to no one, Jerry. Not even to my sister. Well, you're very ashamed of me, then? Oh, you know that's ridiculous. But if I marry you, I'll be flattened here in the wilderness for all my life, and that's not what I want. Oh, what do you want? Surely no man in Machias or all of Maine could give you more. The O'Brien's rule here, for we only only trade for a hundred miles. And I'll not marry a sawmill. Not even if it's the only sawmill. Oh, Jerry, I... Well, I'm, I'm sick to death of trees. I, I want to get out of here. I want to see the great world. Boston, New York, London even. Well, London, is it? Well, Boston, I could manage. Perhaps once in a year when the workers slack. As a matter of fact, my brother rides there now in business for the mill. But London? You in London? Why not? Oh, Peg, I don't know. It's all beyond me. I'm not a big enough man for the likes of you, and that's the heart of it. I have my own dreams, yes, but, well, 
They're not so grand as yours. Oh, make them grand, Jeremiah. You can do it. You think so now? Oh, I know it, Jerry. Why, you're the smartest man in the chariot. And the strongest, too. Well, strong I am. But smart I sometimes doubt. Oh, Jerry. Oh, I've no head at all for figures. <laughs> Money slips through my fingers like water through a sieve. If it's a smart man you watch, my brother Gideon's the one for you. Gideon? With his fancy airs and his superior ways of saying two things at once, no thanks. Well, he'd get you to London, girl, if anyone can. Mm. All your brand's brains went to him, such as they are. But can he work at the logging all day long and then dance the whole night through and, and work again in the morning? The dancing, yes. <laughs> the working, no. Well, there you are. Yes, well, I, my dear. Well, you have me fair confused. As it looks to me, there's two things you want, and no man can give you both. Oh, someone's coming, Jerry. We mustn't be seen. I won't stay quiet now, Peg. I'm tired of all this hiding. Jerry! Well, just Gideon himself, I'm only from Boston. I've told him all about us, Peg. Well, Jerry and Peg, are the bands to be published then? Can I offer my congratulations? Oh, don't be silly, man. Why will the great laugh of Are you so desperately wishing to be home? Uh, I am that. Oh, it is a new thing, then. I bring news, brother. Great news. Earth-shaking news. The price of lumber, is that? Well, that may well be, but lumber's not in it. It's a matter of state. Well, tell me, then. Not now. There's news that all the O'Briens must hear. And we must hear it first before the town itself is torn apart. Well, you'll excuse us, then, Peggy, because... Peggy. Peggy, where are you? Your little pigeon has flown away, brother. What a beauty. (laughs) You're a lucky devil. Yeah, I know. That's all you know about it. Now... What's this great news? It must wait. It calls for a family council. Old Morris must get his teeth into it first. Come along now. This is more important than pretty Peggy Bates. This is the biggest thing that's happened since St. Patrick himself set foot in Galway. I don't believe you, Gideon. You will, brother. You will. Must meet now my father, old Morris O'Brien, who came to the cold wilderness from Ireland and fought us and tamed it, and made it yield bread for his sons and their mothers. The news that Gideon brought was important, and my father knew just how important it was. On that night, when the O'Briens had offered up family prayer, Amen. And Joseph, I'll thank you now, Tumumbu. Lift up your voice, boy, in the praise of God. Tis what your voice is for. Yes, sir. Now, <clears throat> now, taking into consideration the importance of the occasion, I'll call a meeting. A meeting of the O'Brien men. Oh. Will you not call me to counsel as well, Morris O'Brien? This is a matter for the men, Mary, and only for the men. A matter for men, is it? And they're killing him. Oh, I knew. I knew when Gideon come riding home with a face all aflame. Mary, this is purely a thing for deciding by men. All the men I see are my own sons and my husband. Must I sit by the window again and wonder if my sons are alive or dead, as I did for my husband in the old days? It may be. It may be. It may be that it must be. Oh, it can't be. Not here in this new land, where we found peace at last and plenty and no killing. I've done with killing. Oh, there, there now, Mother, there, there. I'm afraid the killings followed us. It's the same old quarrel. Aye, Jeremiah. The same old quarrel. The tyrant has pursued us even here. And can he find us here in the heart of the great forest so far away? Oh, Jerry, can he find us here? Uh, he can, Mother, and he will. He can indeed, and he will. 
Well, let me state the case, Father, as, uh, uh, well, as I'm the eldest. For years now, this thing's been closing in on us, Mother. All the restrictions, all the taxes, yes. It's been a long time coming, and now it's here. You've all heard the news at a place called Lexington. The same, I don't know where it is, nor do I care. Oh, no, does it matter, Father. At Lexington, the war's begun. Men have been killed. Men of our own kind. They've taken arms against the English king. And they've won. By heaven, they've won. So Gideon says, and I believe my brother. The question is, what are we in Maine to do? What are we to do? Have no part in this quarrel. Rest quiet. I should have got as far away and there's no concern of ours. Be still, Mary. Your brains are involved, as any fool can see. Our lumber goes to Boston by sea, and our lumber is our life. Surely the British and Boston will rule the sea. So, if we join in the revolt, they can starve us, and they will. Unless we drop to our knee and kiss the Lordship's foot once again as we had to do at home. And what if we resist? They'll harry us, son. Ah, a small sloop of war. They could spare such a one, no doubt, and blockade our harbor here. No lumber going out. No goods from Boston coming in. No food. Nothing to eat but what we can raise in the clearing. Huh. That's the old, old story. Perhaps it's not so serious, Father. Gideon. What do you mean? Back in Boston, as many a merchant plays both ends against the middle. There are those who collaborate with the British and do very well. There's a middle road, and many take it. Gideon, is it your thought that the O'Briens might wear two faces before the world? I said, but this many do in Boston town. And they say their skins and their money bags. Mm, I see me six sons about me. Could we do that? Could we bow and scrape on Monday, and then on Tuesday scrape and bow the other way? Could the O'Briens do that? Jeremiah, not the O'Brien. Never. Could we not, sir? What else shall we do? Shall we see this little hole that we've taken on a place in the sunny world go down? Shall we starve again and take the whole town starving with us? And all because of stiff-necked Irish pride. Pride, is it? Aye, pride. Nothing else. Pride. A not a sin. And is avarice not a sin? And if we bow our necks, will it not be for greed that we do it? As between avarice and pride, by the saints, I'll rest me proud. Well, one thing is certain. The choice is ours and ours alone. As we go, so men will go, or this far part of it. For all their Yankee lives depend on us and on our mill. Very well, then. I'll take a vote in the way of this new country. All those who favor that the O'Briens shall resist the British king in this new war, let them signify by saying aye, as I do call their names. Jeremiah Francis O'Brien. Aye. Gideon Patrick O'Brien. Mm, aye. Though it is not the way of the best folk in Boston. John Ignatius O'Brien. Aye. William Vincent O'Brien. Aye. Dennis Franklin O'Brien. Aye. Joseph Adams O'Brien. Gosh, yes. <coughs> oh, no, all right, then. If I must, I must. Uh, Mary Margaret Fogarty O'Brien. Aye. And when your prideful heads are all broken and sore, come back to your mother. <laughs> and I'll mend them if I can. <laughs>
by unanimous vote, declared war upon His Britannic Majesty, George III. And after a week of chewing on the news from Lexington, the citizens of Machias saw a British armed cutter, the Margareta, on the horizon of their bay. And soon the drums of the British Marines rolled through the one street in my little town. Excellency, Lieutenant James Moore of the Royal Navy. Pay attention for His Majesty's officer, Lieutenant James Moore. Hello, subjects of His Majesty. Hello, Englishman. You've had news of certain treasonable actions in the vicinity of Boston. I command has a gun trained upon your town at this moment. I bring with me a communication from General Gage, commanding all British troops in these provinces. That message will be read to you by Captain Ichabod Jones, your fellow citizen, whose lumber sloops Unity and Polly carry the produce of this town to Boston. Captain Jones. Unfounded, I told you not to get me up here in front of everybody. Read the proclamation, Captain Jones. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I might. Well, then, it goes like this. To his majesty's subjects at Machias in the province of Maine, be it known that the forces of his majesty have the greatest need of lumber for the building of winter quarters and for use in the fortification of Boston against those traitors lately joined in rebellion against the crown. Hang it, this time I told you. Go on, go on, Captain Jones. Now listen here, you, listen here. I've got to read this thing. And what it says is, either you ship lumber to Boston on my sloops, or else you get no food from Boston. It's lumber for Gage and the British, or Machias starves. And I don't care what you do, for it's not my doing, and I'm going to get down out of here. Captain Jones, read that proclamation. Thank you, for will. They know what it says. Then I'm taking a lump in. Stand up! It's up! It's up, man! Stop around! father has done his best. He's been talking all day till his voice itself is gone with the wind. Your father's an old man. He talks in a way strange to most of us. We need a younger voice. Mine, Peggy? Yours. My love. Uh, you've never called me that before. No, and I'll never call you that again. Unless you ask. Oh, but what can be done? The Margaret's guns command the town. And Captain Jones's two lumber sloops lie at the wharf. The Polly and the Unity. Say now, we could take the two sloops and end the whole argle-boggle for a while. You could, if you had the heart for it. Oh, you do, you do you think I've not? Well, I've wondered. Then wonder no more, my love. We'll move tonight. Uh-huh. 
to our cavalcade play, The Saga of Jerry O'Brien, starring Dennis O'Keefe. So we were committed to action after all the talk. While the British cutter lay in stupid quiet in the harbor, we took the two sloops of Ichabod Jones at the wharf. And there we were. And there was the Margareta out in the bay, broadside to the town, with four three-pounders and 14 swivel guns, all trained on the homes we built out of the wilderness. The men of Machias looked up to me and to the O'Brien clan for help. And there was only one answer. Now listen to me. Listen here. We must use the two lumber sloops to capture the Margareta. No, 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 Cannon! No, Governor! No, Governor! Silence, you fools! You have one, Gunner. Long years ago, I fought at the taking of Lewisburg against the French. And yon Will Knight has a wall gun at home. I can mount it in the Unity's bow. It's small to bear the name of a cannon, but for serve if well aimed. Oh, yeah. You heard my father speak. I say we can do it. We all have arms at home. All right. All right, my word to you is this. Go get your muskets. Go get them. Now. Fifty-five men here on the wall. And their lives, brother, are in your charge. Do you think I don't know that? Have you counted the muskets, Gideon? Aye, Captain. We've twenty. Counting the fouling pieces, twenty guns for fifty-five men. How many pitchforks? Thirteen, Commander. How many timber axes? Twelve fine axes, Commodore. I'll take one of those in place of a sword. And what are the powders? Powders? (laughs) Aye, there's the up, my dear Admiral. We've no powder at all to load the wall gun. No powder. And only the wall gun's shot could pierce yon vessel's side. That's true. Wheaton said he had 40 pounds hidden in his cellar at home. Where is it? Joe says he clean forgot it. He was in such a hurried hurry not to miss the great sea battle. He forgot it. By all the... That's a kind of war, Jerry. We're all amateurs here. What was that Pigeon, brother, I do believe. Pungy. And her sister, Joe Wheaton's wife. Jerry! Jerry, we're coming! Peggy, Peggy, what's the meaning of this? You'll not come aboard this ship. I don't. Do you see this? It's the powder. The powder my rattlebrain brother-in-law forgot to bring. My my sister and I have dragged this 40-pound bag all the way from Pleasant River. Oh, Peggy, you're a darling. Oh, the war is on again. Well, you'd better get ahead with it, Admiral, or the enemy might wake up. Gideon, are you with me or against me? Do you need to ask? I think I do. The things you say... Are my way of saying it. Would you have me pretend? This is a fool's errand we're on. And it can end only one way, in failure and death. But I'll be with you, Jerry, however it ends. Oh, I'm sorry, Gideon. This is no time for being sorry. Yonder's your navy, Admiral. Half a hundred fools. <laughs> All right, talk to them. I will. I will at that. Men, men, gather around here. Gather around and listen to me. Now, I'll take the unity out. Then Foster will take the poly. And what Massachusetts farmers can do on land against the British, 
Main lumbermen can do at sea. We're all sailors here. We've had to be. And now we'll sail against the enemies of liberty. Take your stations. What happened in the next hour, I'd not wish to tell with my own lips, for I'm a modest man. Though they do say I summoned the strength of ten to my own right arm that day. But let others tell the story as is only proper. They left me ashore. Me, Morris O'Brien. Oh, they said I was too old. Too old at 75. And they gave the world unto Will Knight to train, and him shivering in his boats a while. Ah, but sail it against the Englishman, and I watched them. I watched the British make sail against the room. I watched the lovers mishandle in the quartering wind. Sore boom swung round and snapped clean off. Mrs. O'Brien! Did you see that now? The British has lost her mainsail. She's helpless. She can't move now. Look at her. I can see her. I can see her 18 cannons. Pointing at my son. A man with axes and pitchforks only. The police were ground. Then Foster sort of a ground, she's on a mud bank. But the unity goes forward. Aye, the unity goes forward alone. With my elders at the helm. Oh, I look no more. I look no more. I saw the old woman close her eyes, stumble back into the crowd and fall in a faint. I wanted to help her, but... I could not take my eyes from the smoking harbor and the man I loved. I saw the unity close in and grapple. I saw my Jerry leap aboard the enemy sloop, his great axe swinging around his head. I saw the British commander fall dead on the quarter deck. I saw his crew scramble for cover below against the flailing axes and the pitchforks of Machias' men. And I saw my Jerry leap to the rail of the quarterdeck and with one great blow of his shining axe, cut down the British engine and end the battle. I got behind me here. I wish you'd let me take it off. After all the trouble I took to fix it just so, like, like the heroes in the picture books, oh. you'll wear it the next three days, maybe longer. Uh, if you say so, Peggy. 
And why must you be downcast after such a day? I'm shaking your head, Peggy. I can't help it. Oh, but it's been a great day for the O'Briens and for all of Maine. Well, I suppose so. We've won a great battle, but we can't eat victory. We'll get nothing now from Boston. And we've got nothing here to last beyond the fall. You've got three fine sleeps, Jerry. The Unity, the Polly, the Margareta. All prizes of war. Can we eat the boats then when the winter comes? No, but you can fill the boats with lumber and sail them to New York and bring them back chock-a-block full of flour and meat. Why, Peggy, so we could. Yes, so you could. And I'm going with you. Peggy. To settle I've always wanted to see the great world. Oh, but Peg, you... Well, you can't... What would people say, Peg? Oh, they'd they say not a word, not a single word. Not if we are well and truly married first. <laughs> Peggy got what she wanted, to see the great world, for in the end I took her to London itself. And I got what I wanted, which was to stay ever close by Peggy's side through all the days of our years. But there's more to it than that, I think. We poor folk of Machias had humbled the might of tyranny's power on the Western Ocean. We had won the new country's first victory offshore. And though we quarreled amongst ourselves, and even the O'Briens were not of one mind at all times, we drew together and fought together when the need was most great. Today, in your own time, there's an American ship of war that bears the name O'Brien in our honor. Wherever she rides, salute her now and draw together as we did then. from the Cavalcade players for tonight's story, The Saga of Jerry O'Brien. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade was written by George H. Faulkner and was based on the article, The O'Briens Go to Sea, by Colonel R. Ernest Dupuy. Original music was composed by Arden Cornwell, conducted by Donald Boyd. The program was directed by John Zoller. With our star, Dennis O'Keefe, you heard Una O'Connor as Mrs. O'Brien, Gene Gillespie as Peggy, James O'Neill as Morris, Scott Cotsworth as Gideon, and Parker Fennelly as Captain Jones. Dennis O'Keefe can currently be seen starring in the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer picture, Everything I Have is Yours. And this is Cy Harris reminding you to be with us next week where the DuPont Cavalcade will present Ready on the Right. Our star, Jackie Cooper. Ladies and gentlemen, for 18 years, the DuPont Cavalcade of America has brought to millions of radio listeners the true stories of our American heritage. 
and the achievements of the men and women who gave us our American heritage. Now, the DuPont Company is bringing you Cavalcade on television. Watch the TV listings in your newspaper for Cavalcade of America TV in your locality. The DuPont Cavalcade of America came to you tonight from the Velasco Theater in New York City and is sponsored by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry.